0: I'm Dr. Charu Agrawal. I'm the Leslie Heisler Associate Professor for Lung Cancer Excellence at the Abramson Cancer Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Today, I will talk to you about practical advice and management for patients uh, with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer uh, with PD-L1 expression in the 1% to 49% range without actionable driver mutations and how we should treat these, should we treat them with single-agent immunotherapy or combination immunotherapy. So let's get started with the case. Um, I saw a 70-year-old female had a fall and went to the ER. Brain MRI was performed that revealed multiple brain metastases, and a CAT scan was done at the same time that showed a right upper lobe, lung mass, mediastinal lymphadenopathy, as well as liver metastases. A PET-CT scan confirmed metastatic disease. Biopsy revealed adenocarcinoma with a PD-L1 level of 2%. Uh, molecular sequencing was performed, TP53 was mutant, there were no other actionable alterations. She underwent stereotactic uh, radiation or gamma knife treatment for her brain metastases. So the question really becomes, for this patient in the absence of any immediately actionable alterations, so the pdl one level of 2% uh, with an adenocarcinoma, what should this patient receive? Should we uh, manage this patient with chemotherapy alone? immunotherapy alone, chemo plus immunotherapy, or should we really think about chemo plus immunotherapy doublet, so-called quadruplet regimen? So firstly, I think we should just set the stage and, and just state a fact that in 2023, chemotherapy alone is not standard of care, unless and until there is a huge contraindication to immunotherapy, such as a solid organ transplant, such as a cardiac transplant, um, or other significant immunotherapy contraindication. A number of trials have shown superiority of immunotherapy as well as chemoimmunotherapy in this situation, and this should be considered substandard care too, that is to deliver chemotherapy alone. But that opens up a very difficult proposition because now we have so many options, and I think that's why we wanted to discuss this a little bit more in detail today. When you look at category one recommendations for patients with advanced or metastatic lung cancer with the PDL one of 1% to 49%, you can see there are more uh, options than we can count on one hand. Uh, These uh, are for adenocarcinoma on the left and squamous cell carcinoma on the right i will not read all of these out but fair to say that many of these are chemo immunotherapy or triplet combinations with different pd1 and pdl1 inhibitors and a few of them are also looking at quadruplet combinations and i'll go through a few of those so, when we look across the trials, this is a nice chart summarizing the PDL1 parameters, the population, the response rate, as well as the duration of response and overall outcomes. Starting with uh, Checkmate 227 that looked at dual immunotherapy when the volumab and epilimumab will remind everyone that this is currently indicated and approved for pdl one greater than 1%. You can see a median overall survival of 17.1 months. When we looked at quadruplet epinevo as well as chemotherapy, you can again see we are seeing overall survival of about 15.8 months. And then as we go across the board towards the right, for the next four or five columns, you'll see chemoimmunotherapy with using a platinum doublet and either pembrolizumab in the Keynote 21, 189 or 407 trials. Empower 150, looking at atezolizumab plus chemotherapy, and then Empower Lung 3, looking at simiplumab plus chemotherapy. We see here overall survivals, again, in the ballpark of about two to three years. And then finally, Poseidon, which is, again, quadruplet chemoimmunotherapy using deralimab and tremolimumab, you can see a median overall survival of 14 months. All hazard ratios looking very good at about point. 5, 2.75, uh, again, establishing chemoimmunotherapy or quadru- quadruplet chemoimmunotherapy as the standard um, against chemotherapy alone. Keynote 189 was really one of the landmark trials to establish chemoimmunotherapy. Uh, we now have five-year outcomes from this trial. Uh, just goes to show how long we've been using these drugs. On the left, you can see overall survival median is about 22 months. On the right, if we look at the 1% to 49% category, median overall survival is about 22 months here as well. 407, looking at same uh, sort of concept in a squamous non-small cell lung cancer. Here you can see overall squamous cell cancer uh, prognosis is slightly worse than adenocarcinoma, but we see median overall survival of 20.6 months. Um, And on the right, you can see PFS of about 11.8 months. Again, I think this is uh, very, very uh, meaningful for our patients. What about Checkmate 9LA? I talked to you about a quadruplet regimen a little bit ago, a few slides ago when we highlighted the overall survival. But when you look at this, uh, you know, again, significant improvement. This is a fishtail curve compared to chemotherapy, hazard ratio of about 061 and then when we specifically look at this PDL 1, 1 to 49% population, um, overall response rate with this combination is up to 39% with a median duration of response of about 10 months. Same is the case for simiplumab plus uh, chemotherapy. Uh, this uh, These are results from the Empower Lung 3 trial. I think this is looking uh, also very good, similar to what we expect from Keynote 189 with a hazard ratio of 0. 0.65. And then dervalumab plus, plus or minus tremolimumab in combination with chemotherapy, FDA approved as of last year. Again, I think the combination looking um pretty good in terms of the quadruplet on the right. And there may be some differential activity in uh, molecularly driven subsets of patients. So dual immunotherapy in this setting is an option. You know, we talked about chemo immunotherapy, of course, Keynote 189, Empower Lung 3, and Empower 150 have all looked at uh, triplet. But what about dual immunotherapy? Um, just immunotherapy alone without the chemotherapy. Checkmate 227 was this very large trial that l- evaluated several different populations of patients. But when we focus on patients with pdl one greater than 1%, those that received NEVO plus ip did have a superior overall survival compared to NEVO or chemo. You can see 17.1 months on the left. And then you can see um, overall survival On the right as well, Uh, this is uh, pretty far out in terms of median follow-up and about five-year survival of about 24% for these patients with the use of nivolumab and ipilimumab. But is there a difference in terms of uh, for this population that has 1% to 49%, should they be treated with chemo IO or IO alone? You'll note that I didn't really show you much data with immunotherapy alone because most of the data with immunotherapy alone is in the population that is greater than equal to 50%. However, one trial called Keynote 42 did include patients with greater than 1% into the immunotherapy alone arm. And the FDA wanted to do a large analysis to see amongst these group of patients, PD-L1, 1 to 49%, are there differences in overall survival and progression-free survival when treated with chemoimmunotherapy versus immunotherapy alone? They looked at several of these trials that are listed on the right. These were all randomized clinical trials that the FDA had data for. And as you can see, they had... total of 2,100 patients across these trials. The patients were well-balanced between chemotherapy, IO alone, and chemo-IO alone, reading from Right to left. And then basically, what they found was that chemoimmunotherapy for this population, PDL1, 1 to 49%, was better. Median overall survival pooled from all these trials was 21.4 months. And I think this is an important takeaway point. We can expect our patients to live about two years when they come in with a PDL1, 1 to 49% in the absence of a driver mutation if we treat them with chemoimmunotherapy versus immunotherapy alone is only 14 months. Uh, The uh, forest plot is shown here, and you can see overall chemoimmunotherapy looked better across most categories. So in summary, I showed you a lot of data. This is uh, a space that has multiple approvals, multiple category one recommendations. I will say that one thing sticks out, that there is no clear role for single agent immunotherapy in this setting. Uh, This has been shown uh, based on the FDA analysis that I just shared with you, as well as our personal experience where we don't find a lot of response rate or uh, prolongation of overall survival with the use of this therapy. Immunotherapy and chemotherapy as a triplet regimen is a well-established strategy. There are several different clinical trials looking at different combination partners, well-established. Quadruplet regiments can also be used. I showed you data on two such regiments, Checkmate 9LA as well as Poseidon, which can both be used. So in summary, for our 70-year-old female with metastatic disease to the brain, TP53 mutant, no other driver mutations for the pdl one level of 2%, underwent brain radiation, what should she receive? And to put this data in context, I'd like to transition to our peer discussion and welcome uh, Dr. Joshua Royce. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Dr. Agarwal. My name is Joshua Royce. I'm a thoracic medical oncologist and assistant professor of medicine at Georgetown Lombardi Cancer Center and Georgetown University School of Medicine. And I'm happy to be here for this important discussion. That's great.
0: So with seven category one recommended regimens, uh, Josh, how do you individualize your choice between chemo immunotherapy combinations? We have just so many.
1: Yeah, no, and and it's great to have so many options, but I think it is important, you know, we do know that uh the frontline treatment that's where you want to choose uh the regimen that's most likely to be efficacious for your patients. And so it's important to to have an um a decision-making tree uh you know that allows you to do that and to have that discussion with your patients. Um in in my practice, I think one important aspect of this is histology. Uh, I do think that for the pdl 11 1 to 49%, by and large, uh, the uh, IO plus chemo regimens uh, in adenocarcinoma are are very effective, and that's usually my go to uh, in that setting. Squamous, a little bit more variability for me. I think when I'm getting to the PDL1 low status, that's when I'll oftentimes grab a a dual IO based regimen um, or dual IO plus chemo.
0: Yeah, that mirrors my approach as well. And I I will say that I tend to use chemotherapy, um, perhaps more of the triplet combinations in a situation such as this, where we have a TP53 mutation, we don't have any other significant mutations in terms of IO resistance. Um, And, and, you know, most of these patients are pretty symptomatic. You know, some of these, some of these patients present with brain metastases. I think that's a different question, but, you know, given this situation, I would have probably used chemoimmunotherapy alone. Um, do you tend to use dual immunotherapy such as the Checkmate 227 approach for your patients? Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so I agree for for your patient uh... I would have probably grabbed the chemo IO regimen and and worked in uh, brain SRS uh, in there as well. Uh, I don't know if there's really enough data to say that we can hold on CNS radiotherapy uh, in the setting of brain metastases uh, in patients who do not have a driver mutation. You know, when will I typically grab for a dual IO regimen with or without chemo? Uh, I think there are other factors that could play a role there. Perhaps uh, keep one SDK 11 mutations, alterations that at least in some retrospective data uh, suggest that a single agent IO or IO chemotherapy uh, may not work as well as we'd like it to. Uh, you know, I think those are probably the main scenarios where I will consider adding in a dual IO approach. Or again, if I have a patient with squamous histology and PDL one lower negative, I think there is some good subgroup data to support the addition of a CTLA-4 inhibitor in those patients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think with so many options, um, it's uh, really important for us to just sit down with our patients and and discuss. I, you know, I think uh, it's so important to incorporate molecular markers into our treatment algorithms and sequencing of um, of choices because, you know, if this patient had a KRAS G12C mutation, there may be implications in terms of what the patient receives first line, followed by second line therapy. Not that they are clear to us right now, but I think clinical trials will help us determine also the appropriate sequencing uh, for these patients with different molecular subsets in the future. So with that, I will summarize that for patients with PDL 1 to 49%, it's important to remember that chemotherapy alone is no longer an option. Immunotherapy alone actually may not lead to the best outcomes for our patients, even though there may be approvals for this. Uh, we tend to prioritize use of chemoimmunotherapy either in a triplet or in a quadruplet fashion for these patients. Dual immunotherapy using both pdl one and CTLA-4 blockade remains an option. However, we should carefully dis, uh, discuss with our patients as well as determine which situations may be best depending on how fast we want to achieve a response rate and what the patient's uh, symptom burden may be. With that, I'd like to thank you, George, Josh, for joining us and um, really leading a stimulating conversation on management of these patients with PDL l 1 to 49%. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.